Welcome to the OKC First Church of the Nazarene podcast. At OKC First, we are learning to do three things. Friendship with God, friendship with one another, and open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Thanks, Riley. Thanks, Tamara and Banning and team for leading us in worship and song this morning. I am so glad you are here this morning. My name is Jason Smith. I am one of the pastors here at OKC First Church and uh, want to welcome our, our speaker this morning. Um, but first, I want to let you know that we're in the middle of a sermon series called This Is My Story. Pastor John Middendorf started that a few weeks ago before he left on a sabbatical for the months of June and July. Our church board has been asking him for a couple of years now to be away and to rest and renew and reinvigorate and reimagine life here at OKC First Church and with his family. And so they've enjoyed time away. I believe that they're going to be going to a baseball game this afternoon. Roland family, I believe, I believe it's Mets-Reds this afternoon. So uh, Peyton versus Toby uh, this afternoon in the Middendorf family. And uh, be praying for John. I know that many of you have been, been praying for Pastor John for this time to rest and renew his spirit to come back reinvigorated and reimagined for life at OKC First Church. And so this morning our speaker is going to be Dr. Terry Rowland. And many of you know him as our district superintendent on the Oklahoma district. If you're a guest today or not familiar with the Church of the Nazarene, we have districts in each of our areas. And Dr. Rowland is in, is in charge of 88 churches from... We, I call it the Bowtie District, from all the way up in the Panhandle to all the way down in Arkansas and Texas area, but in Oklahoma. And so we are grateful for his leadership on our district. We are part of that district. You may know him as our DS, our district superintendent, but maybe known better, um, perhaps, as the son-in-law of one of our members and Caritas class members and Betty Nichols, and maybe even better as husband of Judy Nichols. Uh, Judy Nichols, look at that. It's like I'm part of the family. Um, Judy Rowland is wife, and so we're excited to have her here this morning. And you may know him better, though, as the father of Penny and Toby and Skip and their families with Krista and Jenny and Jamie. And let's see the grandkids. We've got 11. I think I got them. I think I got them. Ready? I think we got, of course, we got Trevor and Peyton and Chloe. Chloe. We got... Riley, Reed, Rex, don't know, uh, Sutton, Sloan, and Sawyer. And then we have uh, Trip and Maya. Whew. Eleven grandkids that we all love, even though um, Penny and uh, Jamie aren't here. We call them honorary members, sent missionaries from our church. And so... We're excited um, to hear from Papa T. You may know him better as someone who baptizes, someone who dedicates, uh, but this morning you get to hear from him as he preaches the word. And so please welcome Dr. Terry Rowland. Thanks, Jason. Thanks. It is nice to be at OKC First today, and uh, we attend here quite often. But it's uh, always for different reasons, but you have always been so gracious to us in so many ways, and for that, we thank you. Thank you for making our family such a wonderful part of your fellowship. Our kids, and as Jason did, that's an incredible thing that he can remember all 11 grandkids. I can't even do that most of the time. When I call one by name, I usually go down the road, getting them all till I finally get to the one I'm talking to. But um, thank you for making them feel so special. We pray for every church on the district systematically, but we pray for Oklahoma City first. 
uh, an awful lot. And for every Sunday when we're traveling, we're always praying for Pastor John as he is uh, preparing to preach on that day that God would touch your hearts through him. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for loving your pastor and family and allowing them to have this sabbatical and this time away. That uh, means more than you will ever know, uh, not just for them, but for the work of the kingdom in the years to come. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a privilege to preach today. I love to preach because I love to proclaim God's word. I was going to use some videos today, and I am going to use one, but I was going to use other videos today, but every one I went to, it said something about Jason Smith used it two weeks ago or three weeks ago whenever he preached. So I think he used every video that's out there, but um, we'll try to find another one that uh, we can pull out a little while. Today, I want to talk to you, and thanks, Riley, for reading the scripture today. I want to talk to you about, uh, about part of my story. Part of my story has to do with enjoying God's word in some special ways. The fact that I realize that God really does know me. I don't know if you know God knows you today, but God really does know you. He knows you by name, but he knows you a whole lot better than that. I, uh, Judy and I moved to Indiana to pastor our third church, and uh, we stayed there 18 years, but we had just arrived, and I was in my office putting uh, books on the shelf uh, the first week we were there, on Friday before our first Sunday. And as I'm putting my books up, my secretary walks into the office. Uh, the previous pastor would have done a great favor for me if he would have seen fit to change secretaries before I got there. She needed to change. She was, uh, well, she was, uh, she was well up in years. She forgot a lot of things. And she walks into my office. I'm her new pastor. I'm actually her boss now for a while until we change pastors. She works directly for me. She walks into the office and says these words. Brother, uh, brother, uh, oh, number 22, whatever your name is. <laughs> I was the 22nd pastor of that church. She knew me by my number, but couldn't remember my name. Uh, needless to say, we changed secretaries rather quick there. It didn't take long. But it's nice to be known by your name. Whatever that name is for you, for some it's a very official name, but it's nice to be known by your name. I have news for you today. God Almighty knows your name. He knows you better than you know yourself. The psalmist said he created you. He formed you. He knew you before you even came into the world. He knows exactly where you are. He knows what you're going through. There's nothing any sweeter than some evenings when you've had a hard day and things haven't gone exactly right. And you have your devotions with the Lord to know that somehow in that still small voice, he comes to you personally and says, I know you, you're one of my children. Let me share these moments with you. 
Second today, not only does God know your name, but we're able to know his voice. It's said in the scripture reading that he's the shepherd and the gatekeeper and he would bring the sheep in and the sheep followed him because they knew his voice. You and I live in a world with many, 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 many voices, but we know that one voice. We recognize that voice. I was in junior high school, Capitol Hill Junior High School in Oklahoma City. It was the eighth grade. I was 14 years of age. I was sitting in Mr. Carpenter's math class. When over the PA system, we heard these words, Mr. Carpenter, yes, we knew that voice. It was the principal's voice. We had heard him give announcements. We had heard him make speeches. We knew that voice. And all of a sudden, Mr. Carpenter said, yes, and the voice came on and said, please send Terry Rowland to the office. My heart skipped a beat, two or three beats. I remember it well. I can see it right now. I can visualize it. Gerald A. Duddle was sitting to my right. Crystal Shaw was sitting to my left. I see those that are sitting around me. They all turn to look at me. And, and to be quite honest, I had no reason to know why the principal was asking me to come to the office. But he did. Hold on to that. We'll get back to it in a few minutes. And as I listened that day to that voice that I knew, and I began to obey that voice, and I began to follow that voice, it was one of the first times in my life that formed me from then until now to realize that the voices that you and I hear make a great impact on who we are. And in the voices, there are those that we recognize. When the phone rings, there, even though we have caller ID, there are moments we don't have to look at it because we just know that voice. As you heard, we have three kids. One of, one of them's name is Skip. We named him that on purpose. That's not a nickname. That's a real name. His name is Skipper. The lady told me at church when he was born that if she were Skip, when he turned, she turned 21, she'd sue me for everything I have for naming him that. But I like the name Skip. We've lived in Newcastle, Indiana, and you can Google this to find out I'm, this is not preaching. It's the truth. It's the largest high school gym in the world. It seats over 9,000 people. You walk in on ground level on a track, and you look down to the, um, to the basketball court, and it's a parquet, beautiful, beautiful facility. But it seats over 9,000, and during regionals or sectionals, it'll, they add bleachers up on top, and it'll seat over 10,000. And on a regular game in Newcastle, Indiana, there'll be five or 6,000 people show up in a town of 18,000. It's an incredible thing. They love their basketball. Skip played uh, high school basketball, and we had a section that the radio announcer named us Nazarene Nation, and we would holler and cheer. But when sectionals or regionals would come, they would divide that place up into different areas because every school had its own section to set in. So they would move us around that gym. We were playing Batesville, Indiana. That doesn't mean anything to you, but to the Roland family, that was a big deal. And we were in, the place was packed, and there were thousands of people there, and 
we were cheering and we were hollering and they had moved us to another section. I'll always remember the moment that in the midst of all the cheering, in the midst of everything that was happening, something happened on the court and, and I hollered and cheered and as I looked on the court and saw him turning to run back the other direction, I saw Skip look to exactly where I was at. He recognized that voice. He had heard that voice at different times. <laughs> he recognized the voice. I've got news for you. God knows our voice, and we recognize his voice. Do you need to hear his voice afresh today? Do you need to hear him say, I know where you are, and I love you? In a world that's so divisive today, we need to hear the freshness of his voice. Then the scripture says, if we hear his voice, we will follow him anywhere. We will follow him anywhere. Where will we follow him? We will follow him to Matthew in the fourth chapter when he begins to call his disciples and said, follow me. What's that going to look like? It'll look something like this. We need to love our enemies. That's a new voice. That's a voice we haven't heard before. Now we're hearing, you mean those that disagree with me completely? We need to love them. What about if they hurt me? What about if they harm me? What about if they just completely destroy my family? Well, it just says love your enemies. It may not have been demonstrated in any greater way than what was demonstrated a little over a week ago in Charleston when the gentleman sat through a Bible study and then took nine lives. And a few days later when that gentleman came into court and he stood before some family members, did you see the clip? I sat and watched it that day with tears running down my face, realizing this is what Christianity looks like. This is what it sounds like. You took something very precious away from me. I would never talk to her ever again. I would never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgive you. And I forgive you. I forgive you and my family forgive you. But we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent. Confess. Give your life to the one who matters the most, Christ, so that he can change it, can change your ways no matter what happened to you, and you'll be okay. Do that, and you'll be better off than what you are right now. We welcome you Wednesday night in our Bible study with open arms. 
you have killed some of the most beautifulest people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts. And, and I'll never be the same. Tawanza Sanders is my son, but Tawanza was my hero. Tawanza was my hero. But as we say in Bible study, we enjoyed you, but may God have mercy on you. It's pretty powerful. Love your enemies, Jesus said. Do we hear his voice? His voice also says in Matthew chapter 6 to love and care for the needy. Do we hear that voice? Those around us, those that are in our lives, those that we know, those that we do not know, care for the needy. We begin to walk with Jesus and we see that, that we walk with him into Gethsemane, where we give up our own desires and our own thoughts and our own ambitions, and, and we say again, not my will, but thy will be done. Do we hear the voice? Do we hear the voice this morning of Jesus still calling us, and he tells us that we we must die to self, and he teaches what that's all about by the death on the cross. And we follow Jesus till we die. We hear him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Do we hear the voice? Yet we follow him to the empty tomb where we realize that once and for all, death has been swallowed up in victory. And you and I today not only live through the cross, but we live through the empty tomb. And then we follow him through Pentecost to where he said, let me come and live within you. God himself, the God that's always been, the God that shall always be, the God that said and spoke and brought the world into existence out of nothing says, I want to live in your life. Do we hear that voice today? We hear him also say, I must go away, but I, I need you to go make disciples. Go pour your life into someone else's life. Go let others see what it looks like to love your enemies, to care for the needy. Go pour yourself into someone and love them the way that I have loved you. Do we hear the voice? Capitol Hill Junior High School. Terry, come to the office. I remember, I can see it as vivid as it just happened yesterday. I can see in my mind as I, as I stepped out of that eighth grade math classroom and turned left into the hallway and walked a little different uh, distance and turned right and walked about halfway down that hallway and turned left into that office. My heart was beating. I had no idea why I was being called to the office. But as I walked in the door, I saw a gentleman I knew. His name was Leon Smith. Leon was a Christian and 
had gotten saved in my dad's church and had, life had been drastically transformed. And there he stood. He was a, he was a rough man. He, he was a man I knew well because he drove the church bus and I called on children every Saturday with him now and on Sunday rode on that bus with him. I knew this guy. And I looked at him with tears running down his face and I thought, this is not the man that I'm used to knowing. And he said to me, Terry, your dad has just had a heart attack and I'm here to take you to the hospital. They called me from work to come and get you. I stood there for a moment because that was the third time this year my dad had had a heart attack. I knew what we were going through. And he said, I, I'm going to get you there as fast as I can. We walked out of the school. I looked. On that particular day, Leon rode his motorcycle to work. So he put me on the back of a motorcycle. He did give me his helmet that day, and he didn't wear one. He's, Leon was known for several things. One was how many speeding tickets he had had. I knew this was going to be a ride. We got on the back of that motorcycle and we started down through Capitol Hill and that was back when Mer Old Mercy Hospital was downtown before they moved it and we arrived at the old hospital, pulled around to the emergency room where I had been on several occasions. I remember getting off of that motorcycle and walking into that emergency room. I remember vividly walking in and seeing Dr. Masalam standing there waiting on me. Dr. Masalam was my, my dad's heart cardiologist and and he had been so good to our family and loved our family and cared for our family. And, and as I walked in, Dr. Masalam pulled me close to him, and, and I knew this probably wasn't good. And he said to me, Terry, you remember that, uh, that we talked about the possibility of your dad getting a new heart? I said, I remember that. Yes. My dad was in great physical shape other than just his heart. He was five foot ten, weighed 160 pounds. He was, he was a strong man, but his heart, he had just burned himself out for the sake of the kingdom. Dr. Masalam said they had just started heart transplants in America, and you usually had to go to Houston for that to happen. Dr. Masalam said that we had a heart come available today. And there's actually a plane on standby at Wally Post Airport, but your dad has had a massive heart attack. And I don't think we can take the chance of moving him today. I stood there for a moment. And I said, is he still alive? He said, yes. Come and see him. He's been wanting to stay alive till you could get here. I remember opening that curtain in those emergency rooms and walking in and there stood my mother next to my dad. I walked up beside her took her hand, placed my other hand on my dad. Dr. Masalam walked up to the other side of the bed. He, uh, he had places on his chest where they had been giving him electric shock. He had tubes running into him everywhere. But he was conscious, and he knew, knew I was there. He opened his eyes and looked at me. And I said, hi, Dad. And he said, hi, son. And he spoke these words. I'm getting ready to go to heaven. I want you to do two things for me. I'm 14 years old. My heart's breaking. 
but I want him to know I'm going to be strong. And I said, yes, Dad. He said, number one, take care of your mom. I said, I'll do that. I have two older sisters. Both of them were married. Both of them lived over 800 miles away. One of my sisters is 22 years older than me. My other sister's 15 and a half years older than me. When my mother was pregnant, they thought she had a tumor, and here I am. I'm a nine-pound tumor. And I said, I promise you, I will take care of mom. We didn't know what that would look like. We didn't know that she would get to the place someday that for two and a half years, she didn't know our name. We didn't know that she would not recognize us. We didn't know we'd have to care for her in some special ways. But I promised him I'd take care of her, and we did till the day she died. His second statement was, Terry, I want to meet you in heaven. I said, I'll meet you. I promise you, I'll make it. I promise you, I'll come. It wasn't but a few, a few seconds after that. It may have been a minute, but wasn't long until the line went straight and dad was gone from us. I remember Dr. Masalem saying, I'm not a religious man. I'm not a spiritual person. But this is a special moment. And I said to him, thank you for all you did for us and for my dad. I put my arms around my mom and we walked out. You know, through my teenage years, I determined to make it to heaven because of a dad that I made a promise to. But there was a moment in my life where I began to fall so in love with Jesus Christ that even though I loved dad more than I could express, my love to make it to heaven turned to a savior that said, follow me. I want to take you deeper in a deeper relationship than even a parent could take you. I want you to know what it means to love your enemies. I want you to know what it means to care for the needy. I want you to know what it means to, to say, not my will, but your will be done. I want you to know what it means to go through the cross and to forgive those who have hurt you. I want you to know what it means to enjoy the empty tomb to live in a resurrected life. I want you to know what that means. This morning, I want to hear his voice in a fresh way. In the midst of all that's happening in our world, especially the last days, I want to again hear his voice come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me. In a few moments, we're going to share in the supper together in communion. Pastor Jason will come in just a moment and lead us through that. 
I would say to you this morning, if there's a fresh voice that is kindly speaking to your heart and you want to talk to God about absolutely anything, that's why we have an altar. And I know that the two outside altars we use for healing if you'd like to be anointed today. And uh, I would invite you to either kneel here or at your seat, but listen to the voice today as he speaks in a fresh way to your heart and to your life. Pastor Jason. Dr. Rowan, thank you for sharing your story and your life and the gospel with us this morning. And church, family, we want to respond to the gospel this morning by coming to the table as we respond each and every week. And Dr. Rowan is exactly right. What an appropriate time for us. After a few moments, after you receive bread and cup, to take your place at this altar and receive the love of the Lord and instruction as you listen to his voice. In a few moments, I'm going to ask you to stand and then exit to your left. And those of you who are coming to help this morning to serve communion, would you come and begin to take your places? Each and every week, we come to the table for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, for his love and sacrifice for us. In a few moments, uh, you'll exit your pew, come down the aisle, and you'll kind of come here and you'll receive uh, a piece of gluten-free matzah bread, linking us to our story back in Egypt and God's liberation throughout time. And then you'll take that piece of bread, it'll be placed in your cupped hands, and you'll dip it into the, into the juice. And they'll say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And they'll say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Listen to his voice as you come to the table. And listen to his voice as you hear the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Jesus, bless these elements and use them to transform our lives as we partake of them. Jesus, we ask that we would, through your spirit, hear your voice. For on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And on that same night, he took the cup and after giving thanks, redefined it as a new covenant of his blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins. And take and drink in remembrance of me. My prayer for us this morning will be what Dr. Roland has prayed for us, is that you would know his voice, that he would know your name, that he would call you to an endless love of your enemies and to help those in need. May God lead us in these moments and in these times. Would you please stand? For those of you who cannot stand, Aaron or Britt's going to come and find you. Britt is going to come and find you, and she's going to kneel next to you and give you this great gift, a privilege I get to do to Betty Nichols each and every week. But in a few moments, 
in these moments, would you rest in the love and the voice of the Lord? Let's come to the table. Lord, we wait before you to hear your voice afresh this morning. Once again, we hear you say, I love you. And we want to respond today by saying, we love you, Lord. With every being about us, we love you. Work through our mind, our spirit, our body, that we may show you how much we love you. Help us to love each other by showing how much we love you. So talk to us fresh today. And in these quiet moments, may your voice be very clear. And may our response be clear to you. We pray this in the name of the one that loved us more than life. In Christ's name. We're going to continue in a time of intercessory prayer and we've got a few needs we pray for each and every week and in a few moments we're going to pray for Andrew Schlecht and I see Dr. Roland going over to pray with him now and if you would like to join Andrew over here and some of his family and friends Andrew is going to be um, giving his one of his kidneys tomorrow morning to his father-in-law Dave Nippers obviously a very significant and Remarkable moment of self-sacrifice and love uh, for his father-in-law and the Nippers family and the Schlecht family. And Amy's gathering here, and many of you are going to gather around Andrew. I want to give you time to do that and pray for him. Grateful for Andrew and Amy and their love of our church and. Asher and Archie and thankful for this message of self-sacrificial love in these moments as Dave goes into the hospital this evening to begin to receive the anti-rejection drugs and as Andrew arrives tomorrow at Baptist at 5.30. Please be in prayer for Dave and for Andrew, but we want to pray for him now as a congregation. Jesus, we are so grateful for Andrew and his family and ask God that you would, through the power of your spirit and through the work of these nurses and techs and physicians, let this be a remarkable and wonderful and incredible and successful procedure for both Andrew and for Dave. That God, you would take care of Andrew tomorrow and you would be with him tonight and allow him to have a peace in his heart from you and be with him. We ask you to be with his wife, Amy, and their kids, and as they surround him in love. Lord, we also pray for Dave, that this would be a successful transplant, that, God, you would give him life and life abundantly and life exuberantly, that, God, that you would allow these moments to be such an incredible moment for you and for the kingdom and for Andrew and both of these families as they continue to be knit together in sacrificial love. Lord, I ask that as 
you take care of them, that you would walk with them by your spirit and do an incredible thing beginning tonight, tomorrow, and in the weeks and months of recovery. Be with them, each of them and all of them, especially Andrew and especially Dave. Then you're going to stay and remember there and continue to pray. We want to pray for a few others who need specific touches. You know them. It's always good. It was good this morning to see June Adams in Sunday school class and ask that as she fights cancer, God, that you would battle with her and you would heal her. We ask, God, that you would be with Debbie McKenzie. And God, ask that you would fight with her through medicine and doctors and your spirit to heal her of all cancer. Lord, there are others who need specific healing touches from you, whether it be from a body and their body and their mind and relationships. And you probably know someone in your life who needs a specific healing touch. It could be relational. It could be a healing touch for their physical body. But in these moments, would you pray for that person in your life who you came and no one needs a, a specific healing touch? And that person might be you. for Pastor John and Kelly and Taylor and Drew. Lord, we ask that you would be with John and we ask that, God, you would renew his spirit. Lord, work within him and his family. May they enjoy one another, but God, may you work by your spirit in each relationship, in each moment, in each mile that they drive and time they are together. Lord, I ask that as John is a time alone with you, Lord, would you speak to him and give rest to his body and to his heart and to his soul. Lord, we are grateful for the ways in which he has allowed us to be so involved as a church body through his leadership and leadership of the staff and board in our neighborhood and around the world. And so, Lord, we pray for the Cole Community Center and our opportunities for outreach in this place to the people of OKC First, but also to our neighborhood. Lord, we pray for those in our walkable distance, this neighborhood. Pray, Lord, for our reach in the entire nation. God, you would allow us to love, Lord, to be a a glimpse of your kingdom in the world around us. Lord, we pray for your work in the nations, asking God that you would be with your work today in Cactus, Texas, where our middle schoolers are. Be with them, Pastor Mike and Pastor Zach and Robson and Debbie, the other leaders that are there taking our middle schoolers on this incredible mission trip. Be with them this morning and throughout their time as they minister in this place down in Texas. Lord, we also pray for that you would go ahead of our team that is on their way soon in just a couple of weeks to Zambia, Africa. Lord, would you provide, would you go ahead, would you open doors, and would you allow their experience, Lord, to change their own lives and to change the kingdom of God in Africa. Lord, it's our prayer that you would transform all of us and each of us as a group and individually to reflect your image to the world, to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to reach out as God you've called us, Pastor Roland talked, and priest out of Matthew 6 to love those who are unlovable, who are needy. God, would you give us that eye and that vision? 
Jesus, would you transform us through your voice and through this sacrament of the Lord's Supper and through these moments of prayer to look just like you and to look like Christ. Lord, may we do that as we pray this prayer, a practice we do each and every week. And we pray this prayer you taught your disciples to pray using debts and debtors. Let's pray together. And if you need help with this, it's going to be on the screen in front of you. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.